financial planning needs to be part of the dinner conversation when appropriate, and we shouldn't shy away from discussing it, uh, enjoying the fruits of our labors. Uh, but let's not get overly stressed about the financial planning piece. There are experts that will help us. Welcome to the Financial Checkup, a podcast series devoted to improving the financial health and retirement readiness of physicians and their spouses or common law partners. This series is brought to you by the award-winning Advantages Retirement Plan from OMA Insurance. Hello, everyone. I'm Priya Singh Kushni, Director at OMA Insurance plan sponsor for the award-winning Advantages Retirement Plan for Ontario's doctors. This program is a first-of-its-kind group retirement savings plan designed to help physicians, their spouse, or common-law partner. The purpose of the plan is to provide medical students and our members a way to begin saving for their retirement at any stage of their life and career. This is the first episode of the Retirement Talk series, where we invite physicians from across the province to get personal with us on what retirement looks like for them and to share with us what they're doing to prepare for the next phase. And with that, in this episode, I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Karlinski, family physician, member of the Advantages Retirement Investment Committee, and newly appointed OMA board director. Welcome, Dr. Karlinski. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on what retirement looks like for you and how you've prepared. But before we do that, could you please go into telling me more about yourself, uh, your practice, and more about who you are? Thank you so much, Treya, for inviting me. Uh, This is a wonderful opportunity. For those who might not know me, I'm a family physician, very much closer to retirement than I want to admit. Uh, Full disclosure, I am now age 62. I've been in practice as a general family physician since 1985, so quite a while. I work in downtown Toronto in a group practice, which I've had the privilege to be a member of for all those many years. I've also had a lot of privilege to be an educator in the undergraduate and postgraduate uh, medical education affiliated with the University of Toronto, the Department of Family and Community Medicine. Wow, that's amazing. And so your journey has probably taken you through lots of different uh, avenues and and paths. And so with that, you know, when we think about just uh, where you are today and where you're looking forward to, as you mentioned, thank you for sharing your age with us, um, where you are in terms of your career path, your practice, the profession, um, want to learn a little bit more about what you're looking forward to when it comes to retirement. So can you tell me what what does that look like for you? What do you envision for yourself when you do determine that it's time? So I feel so fortunate that I've had a succession plan 29 years in the making in that uh, fortunately my daughter will be joining the practice with me this summer. And the goal between the two of us is to share the practice. And as I wind down and she winds up, Uh, my patients will never be orphaned. And for me, that is a great privilege and a relief. Um, As so many of us know, it is harder to find replacement physicians to do full scope family medicine. And you've been, you know, I've been in practice all these years. These patients are very important to me. And I wanted to make sure that they had a handoff in such a way that uh, they don't lose the primary care relationship that they so need. That's the first comment that I would make. And then the second comment is, yes, I am very much looking forward to a slower pace of work um, and more opportunities to do the things that have been so challenging during our recent pandemic times. 
I love to golf. I love to curl. I love to travel. I have two young grandsons who I miss terribly and are eagerly awaiting a fully vaccinated summer so that we might rejoin spending time with them. For me, it's going to be a slower timeline, a little bit more runway for me to fully retire. And I'm very much looking forward to that with the knowledge that my practice will continue. An excellent point that you make about, you know, succession planning and looking at, you know, first and foremost, your practice, what's going to happen when you do actually slow down. And so when you when you thought about that piece, what what kind of elements went into that sort of decision making and and how did it become your your daughter, which I think is great because that is definitely keeping it uh, consistent for your patients. But how did you determine that that was going to be the right sort of flow for you as you wind down? Well, that's all very much happenstance. And I am mostly kidding when I say that my succession planning uh, started 29 years ago. (laughs) A little bit of uh, my sarcasm at play here. So, uh, you know, the healthcare field goes through cycles, right? Uh, You know, when I started off in the 80s, people were buying practices. And then, you know, decades later, people couldn't, you know, give them away. And then once again, things like a faux position seem to uh, be attractive to some newly minted family doctors. And so I really didn't think at the beginning that I would need to plan for retirement. It seemed with respect to handing over the practice, it seems that uh, having a practice in a desirable location with excellent colleagues would always be attractive. And I didn't give it a second thought that I would be able to uh, replace myself. And then only in the last few years with the um, government denying or restricting the access to patient enrollment models, I began to have a bit more panic about how would I, you know, find a replacement physician? Would there be enough of my uh, recently graduated trainees who would want to take on this full scope family medicine work? And, you know, and that's a whole and separate conversation that we might want to have another day about um, just the six cohorts that we've lost uh, who haven't been able to freely enter these patient enrollment models. But at that time, my daughter was uh, entering residency. And then we began to have a conversation about, was she even remotely interested in joining the practice with me? Um, And that's when the real work began of trying to figure out between the two of us, what might work. And, you know, it's a ongoing process. Uh, She's going to start in July. And we're going to continually reevaluate whether this is a good fit, not just for myself and her, but also the patients and other colleagues. And you know, she's young enough where she may still want to do other work or locate in other places. Uh, nothing is ever fixed in stone. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Oh, that's, a, that's a great point. And I think it's great. It's exciting uh, to to even have those conversations and be able to to share those experiences, especially with your daughter going into practice and and uh, learning uh, and growing with you. So um, that's really exciting. So when you think about that next phase, um, What do you think you're going to miss most when you do decide to slow down? In slowing down, I don't think I'll miss too much. Once the, you know, um, retirement is actually fully implemented and I do walk away from practice, that's when I feel that uh, the longings are going to be more challenging for me to deal with. I mean, we're talking about a practice where I deal with four generations in one visit Uh, I call myself grand doctor, delivering babies to the babies that I've delivered. These are deep uh, relationships uh, built over decades, 
very privileged to have those. I call it a sacred space when I'm meeting with the patient in my own mind, at least. Um, but these are privileges that we have and uh, it's very important work. So I, I will miss that. As I wind down, I, I think I'll be truly happy because I'll have the best of both. I'll be able to continue the meaningful work that I've always done, uh, but it'll be a slower pace and I'll have more opportunities, as I said, for the grandchildren, maybe a little more time for golf, curling, travel. We hope that will resume um, in the time. I certainly am not going to miss the 100 plus uh, HRM uh, reports a day, labs and messages, <laughs> and the terror I experience every time I look at my inbox, you know, that just seems to fill endlessly, uh, no matter how hard I try to, you know, get it down to a manageable amount of uh, reports waiting to be dealt with. That I'm looking forward to. So I can see that there are some things you won't miss <laughs> uh, when you do decide to enter into that next phase. And so when we looked at our, our research for the Advantages Retirement Plan, it was interesting to see that, you know, we, we found some really interesting data. We saw that about only 47% of physicians that were 65 plus felt that they were somewhat financially prepared for retirement. And 51% of that same demographic said they feel in some way that their family will have enough money to maintain their current lifestyle in retirement. And then another 48% said they do not have a registered savings plan. What would you say to the 48% of 65-year-olds that don't have a registered savings plan? Should they be worried about it's too late or is, is there still time? What would be your thoughts on, on that piece of, for those physicians who haven't really prepared themselves yet for this piece? You know, full disclosure, which isn't really necessary. I'm not an investment counselor. Uh, that's not my training, but I would say it's upon us not to worry. Uh, you know, we can always step up and make a new plan. It, it, we can change the old plan that we had or create one that we didn't have yet. Uh, we're fortunate in that most of us can continue to work um, into our you know, more mature years. And uh, there are fewer restrictions than in other professions. And uh, even though you might not have the long runway if you're older, uh, the compounding effects will be different than if you had started younger. I don't believe that it's ever too late. And, you know, we have a myriad of ways that we can work part-time and continue to save, as well as, you know, take advantage of what life has offered us. Uh, maybe we're holding good real estate. Uh, maybe we can dial down some of the lifestyle decisions uh, that we hold so near and dear while we work full-time, but may not be as critical for us as we slow down and retire. Great points, indeed. It's, it is definitely not too late and definitely the ability to change and transform is always within us. So uh, I love the fact that you raised that, that, you know, don't penalize ourselves, don't feel bad, um, but just having the thoughts about, you know, what that would look like and really taking some time to put it on paper or whatever in terms of giving yourself that view uh, to help you kind of see what that picture looks like when, when the time comes. I think that that's great uh, input. And so just going back to, to you uh, a little bit more, uh, what are you finding that's going to be um, exciting for you to explore that's new, something that you're not doing today that you're looking to explore when you do retire? 
what, what are some of the things that you'll get yourself involved with that you don't currently do today? I'll probably do some more volunteerism. Uh, I do a little bit of that today, but uh, not as much as I might like to. I want to do more learning. I want to go back to adult learning um, in ways that I haven't had opportunity to do. Uh, there's just so many opportunities out there uh, to acquire new skills, uh, reinvent myself in some way, uh, become more talented if one can do that, uh, maybe take up painting or drawing, things like that. Uh, so many possibilities, right? The world is our oyster. Um, as long as we have you know, the health and wellness that we can get out there and do something, the rest is easy. Excellent. Those sound like very interesting activities and definitely sounds like you're a lifetime learner, which is always a good thing because there's always something new that uh, is interesting to learn and get yourself sort of familiar with. Now, just looking from, uh, I'm a female, so I'm going to ask you, uh, with a female physician lens and looking at retirement, would there be anything that you would want us to pay more attention to? sooner as female in professional industries? If so, what would that be? Uh, where would you, where would you, if you're looking at your younger self, what would be the thoughts that you would share with your younger self um, about retirement and preparing for it? So we know that women live longer than men. So we have to prepare for a longer life expectancy and probably a longer period in retirement. We also tend to be a little healthier towards the end of the life cycle. So that's a bonus. I make uh, jokes with myself and friends that we don't want to outlive our money. But uh, I think that's a fear that we all have, especially as uh, we you know, enjoy a certain lifestyle as professional women. And it's hard to you know, see ourselves doing the same with less. But what I'd like to say, and I didn't say earlier, is you know, our wants and needs do change over time. And for me, the determinants of happiness or my own happiness have always been, you know, the relationships. Who do I love? Who loves me? Um, You know, what am I able to do uh, with the people that I care about? Not so much the stuff, right? Um, Yeah, I would love to take more trips or, you know, have higher quality goods and services. But At the end of the day, I've realized over a lifetime that those are not the determinants of happiness, at least for myself. So I'm optimistic that uh, I'll be very satisfied doing more and not necessarily having more financial backing to the endeavors that I pursue. Excellent. Thank you. That's, uh, you know, needs and wants are very important to identify. And and you may raise a good point about longevity and, you know, women living longer and, and, you know, not necessarily sometimes planning for that, uh, which is not a bad problem to have, uh, especially with health being better uh, amongst uh, females. I think that's that's another reason why the guaranteed lifetime income product uh, was really important to round out the Advantages Retirement Plan. It was really that concept of being able to somehow guarantee income for as long as you live versus you having to worry about not having enough. And so starting earlier, age 50, um, this product was really innovative, unique to the plan. Just wanted to know if you if you had any comments or thoughts around that guaranteed lifetime income portion of uh, the ARP when it comes to helping with preparing and that whole concept about living longer. 
Yeah, I, I'm very excited about the Guaranteed Life program. It's sponsored by Brookfield Annuities, and it's going to offer a lot of members that kind of peace of mind to say that if uh, they've invested uh, an amount that they can expect, you know, that guaranteed annual return income. So lived experience, my, my father recently passed a couple of years ago at age 93, he was fortunate enough uh, at a very young age to take out an annuity. And um, I don't think he expected to live as long as he did, but he used to really enjoy what he called payday, which was about every <laughs> January 13th, where he would get this lump sum. And uh, it was his great pleasure and privilege to then spend it um, in the ways that gave him joy. So, you know, whether you need it, uh, you know, to maintain the ability to pay your bills or the absolute necessities, or whether it's just your slush fund. Um, it is something, it, it is something for the toolbox to consider that gives you that, you know, knowledge that every year you're going to have this amount of money uh, to use towards the priorities that you set for yourself. That's amazing. I love the fact that he referred to it as his payday. Uh, wouldn't we all want to have that later on in life, like something to look forward to that base, it's the art of saving for that rainy day, but to, to coin it as a payday, I think is even more fun because it's great to have that added cushion. And I agree with you to that point of, you know, you may not necessarily need it, but it's great to have it. And as long as you do have it, then it's a bonus. Um, and I think that was the whole intent with the, uh, the ARP program was to allow physicians, no matter where you are in your, your learning to become a physician, to practicing, to entering into the retirement thinking phase, to actually retiring, you know, the OMA wanted to give something foundational. And I think the Advantages Retirement Program allows a lot of our members regardless of where you are in your life, uh, that opportunity to do some of that foundational savings and then having sort of that payday capabilities with the guaranteed lifetime income product is definitely something I think physicians would find valuable. I know that the uh, ARP investment committee was instrumental and yourself with bringing this forward. And, and we're really excited to see, you know, the engagement on that piece of the program. And so with that, I'm, I'm heading into my sort of last question uh, for you, which is really just around any last words that you would give to your peers um, that are listening with us today uh, on just this topic of being comfortable when they're ready to retire. Any last final thoughts that you'd want to share from your perspective on that? Thanks. Absolutely. You know, in some families, uh, we don't talk about money. Um, it, it's not a comfortable conversation. In other families, um, it's just, you know, part of everyday conversation. I would encourage all of us to make it, to normalize it, that financial literacy, financial planning needs to be part of the dinner conversation when appropriate. And we shouldn't shy away from discussing it, uh, enjoying the fruits of our labors, uh, but let's not get overly stressed about the financial planning piece. There are experts that will help us. Uh, there's lots of education that's available if you are somebody who wants to be, you know, very hands-on. If you value uh, managing your own financial future, that's great. So many resources. Remember back in the day when I was starting out, 
there were books that you could uh, <laughs> borrow from the library or even buy um, that would instruct you how to invest. And that was about it. Now you have so many learning opportunities. It's just a, a, a wealth of information out there. If you're someone who doesn't love doing that work, don't stress about that either because there are many low cost options such as the ARP program that will safely help you to save uh, it well into retirement and beyond as we said with the guaranteed lifetime um, investment product. And you know, don't feel bad that uh, it's taken us this long to get to a place where we can start to invest um, adequately. Uh, we have that you know, longer educational period we have high debt loads. Most of the you know, newer trainees are walking out the door with you know, six figures of debt. Uh, that's not something that I had to face personally. And so I, I recognize that there's lots of delayed gratification that comes with you know, having to manage that high debt load. Uh, you don't have to delay all gratification. You don't have to live like um, on a what shall we call it? I call it craft dinner budget. Um, <laughs> not everyone will know what craft dinner is, maybe. Uh, and, and know what, what does a really good life mean for you, right? What really are the priorities that you want to set for yourself and your family going forward? And uh, meaningful work, but also work that allows you to be who you are and grow in the way that you uh, see for yourself. That's so important to your quality of life and the determinants of happiness. So digital age is gonna give you a lot more knowledge. I'm so grateful that we live in this uh, you know, age where there are global opportunities for ESG investing. That's something I like to think about. So that's the environmental, social and governance-based investing uh, that can be part of uh, you know, your future planning. There's just so many more opportunities. Uh, the advice at the end of the day is uh, wherever you're at today, just start. It starts with one step. Whatever you can put aside, start doing that. Pay yourself first, I think was old advice. I don't know if uh, that was from the wealthy barber, but <laughs> that's how old I am. And, you know, uh, when you need help, there is help available and uh, take advantage of the advantages. Thanks. Dr. Karlinski, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have this chat with you and to learn more about you and, and to, to hear from you and your experience. And uh, I want to thank everyone listening to the financial checkup. If you are an Ontario physician, please do check out the Advantages Retirement Plan at omainsurance.com slash retire for more tips, educational material to help you with your retirement readiness. And to Dr. Karlinski's point, we do have OMA Insurance Advisors. We're willing and able to help you when you do make that uh, decision that you want to learn more about the program. Thank you so much for listening. The Financial Checkup Series is produced in collaboration with OMA Insurance and Commonwealth, the administration and technology partner for the Advantages Retirement Plan. 